0: Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sunday, visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together.
1: Excited to open the scriptures with you. We are continuing in our series through the book of Ephesians uh, as part of our Bible in a Year series, and we'll be picking up in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17, in just a moment. Uh, as you're turning there, by way of reminder, uh, for those who have been with us over the last four weeks, we have highlighted uh, some incredible themes uh, through the first half of the book of Uh, Ephesians, and this is just a sample of uh, the truths that we've been highlighting that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Spirit. Uh, He said, uh, we were chosen by God, saved by grace through faith, forgiven, adopted in, marked with the Holy Spirit, and blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms you were made alive in Christ brought near to God given hope, and now you are a uh, part of a new body the church the one new humanity in which God has put to death the hostility would otherwise be among us in other words Paul says, you are a new creation, renewed and remade from the inside out, and you are part of a new family, a new uh, organism, the living body that is followers of Jesus in the world. And all of that, everything that we've studied so far, uh, comes from God and is the work of God. You didn't save yourself, or forgive yourself, or bless yourself, or transform yourself, or renew yourself. This is the very opposite of self-help. You were dead, and when you were still dead, Christ made you alive and blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He made you new. And he saved you to himself in a union that is going to last for all eternity. It's the work of God from start to finish. But now, after three chapters of talking about what God has done and how God has changed us, Paul is going to turn the corner and talk about how we ought to live. As new creations, as the people of Jesus alive and at work in the world, we have a brand new way of life that God calls us to in light of what God has done, in light of who he is, in light of the way that he has changed us. And so it's with the first half of the book of Ephesians in mind that we now turn the corner and look at the second half. And we're actually skipping the first half of chapter 4, and we'll circle back on it next week. But for today, this morning, we'll be picking up in Ephesians 4, uh, verse 17. And I believe we have our friend uh, Ruth from Scotland, uh, who will be reading the passage for us this morning.
0: Hi River's Edge, my name is Ruth Weller, I'm lead pastor at Rehope Southside, which is in Glasgow in Scotland, and today I hear we're going to be reading out of Ephesians 4, 17 to 5, 20. So if you've got your Bible with you, why don't you get that out just now, and you can read along with me, starting in chapter 4, verse 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in their futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need." This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord God, I uh, I thank you, Lord, for River's Edge Church. Lord, thank you that you have there so many of your children of light, and so, Lord, I just pray a blessing on the teaching today, Lord. Would these words of truth uh, sink into hearts, Lord? Plant seeds that are going to grow. And, Lord, I pray that you would give this church a deep hunger for you, Lord, a hunger for the light, Lord, so that it would be easy to set aside the, the old ways of thinking, the old self, uh, the old lifestyle things. And, Lord, that uh, these would be people drawn to you out of love. Lord, would you move powerfully uh, through through your church today, and yeah, Lord, reveal more of your heart, more of your love in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. After you've been saved, your life has one aim or goal. It is not life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is discipleship to Jesus. Over the course of our lifetimes, we should look increasingly like Him. You are no longer a Gentile, Paul says, or a pagan or an unsaved person. The moment you placed your faith in Christ, He changed you. You were forgiven, cleansed, saved, and even more than that, you were remade, regenerated from the inside out by the power of the Spirit, brought from death to life. So I tell you this, Paul says, and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. But you, Paul says, you are none of those things. You are no longer a pagan. You are no longer darkened in your understanding. You are no longer separated from the life of God. You are no longer ignorant to the things of God. You are no longer hard-hearted. You are a new creation. And you were taught, Paul wrote, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You. Have a new self created by God. And you have an old self which is both dead and dying. How can your old self be both dead and dying? I'll let you figure that one out. But it remains the truest and most accurate way to speak of your old self. Our old self, Paul writes to the Romans, was crucified with Christ. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died... Has been set free from sin. Your old self was crucified, dead and gone. And yet, there is this daily call to die to your old self, to put off your old self, and to put on the new. Your old self was crucified with Christ and put to death. And this was the work of God. Your new self, Paul says, is alive to God, resurrected, brought from death to life. And this is also the work of God. But notice that there's still a tension there. Between the two. What is most true about you? What is most true about you is that your old self has been crucified. You've been brought from death to life. And your new self is alive to God and righteousness. But what is also true about you is that you have to choose daily to put off the old self and to put on the new What was characteristic of the old self? What flowed out of the old self? Well, according to this passage, it's the following things. Falsehood, anger that leads to sin, stealing, unwholesome talk, grieving the spirit, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice. Many forms of sexual immorality, impurity, and greed. Obscenity, foolish talk, and coarse joking. Fruitless deeds of darkness, which are shameful to even mention. Unwise living, foolishness, and being drunk on wine. And just to bring that into the modern age, I think it's safe to assume Paul is talking about beer as well. And Paul is saying, hey, that's not you anymore. That's who you were. That's who you used to be. That's old stuff. That version of you has died. So, so give it up. Put it off. Lay it down. It's like an old pair of clothes that's worn out. Just just put it off, put it away. You used to be a slave. And when you were a slave to sin, you dressed like a slave. You wore those clothes. And and he's saying, hey, you're not a slave anymore. So you take off those old clothes and and you set them aside. Now you are a son or a daughter. And because you are a son or a daughter, now you clothe yourself. You put on a different set of clothes. Now you're going to clothe yourself yourself with clothes that that actually make sense in the household of God. Here's what is characteristic of the new self, which God has created you to be. The new self, according to this passage, speaks truthfully, does useful and honest work, is generous with God and others, builds up others with empowering words, is filled with kindness, compassion, and forgiveness, walks in the way of love, exhibits fidelity, holiness, and purity, expresses thanksgiving in all situations, is filled with all goodness, righteousness, and truth, embraces wise living, understands the Lord's will, is filled over and over again with the Holy Spirit, and sing spiritual songs to God and to one another, giving thanks along the way. Oh, and if the new self is going to get drunk, Paul says, it's in being filled with the Spirit, not with alcohol. That's a snapshot of the new self. of the true you in Christ. And the goal of your life after you've been saved is what theologians call sanctification, which means becoming more like Jesus, essentially. That's the post-salvation. That is the the goal of our lives. And and Paul is saying in a counterintuitive way Sanctification or putting all of this stuff on like a new set of clothes is actually just the process of becoming who you already are. You you are already a new creation. Your new self is already these things and yet you're choosing to put them on day by day. And as you do, you are becoming who you already are. Are. He he says, You are a new creation. Now you just live like it. You have the very righteousness of Christ. Now just live it out. You've been saved by Jesus. Now become more like him. You see the pagan world all around you, Paul says. You are inundated with their way of thinking and their way of life and their version of sexuality and and their work ethic and their patterns of speech. And the list goes on and on and on. But you aren't like them. That's not who you are. You've been remade. You've been reborn. So don't act like them. That's the old you, the one that was crucified, the one that was put to death. Take that off. Lay it down. Let it die. You shouldn't be wearing those clothes. It doesn't make sense for you anymore because that's not who you are. Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are. Are light in the Lord. Not you see light in the Lord. You are light in the Lord. That's who you are now. Therefore, live as children of light. Do you see Paul's logic there? He's not saying, hey, go out and strive to to do good deeds because God loves good deeds. That's not his logic. He says, no, think about who you are. You are light in the Lord. You are a new creation. Now live out your identity. Now go out and and increasingly become and embrace who you already are. You embrace your new reality and you put off the old. You were an orange tree. God transformed you into an apple tree. So it doesn't make sense to go back to producing oranges. Why not? Because, because that's not who you are. That, that's who you were. You're an apple tree now, and, and you're called to bear a new type of fruit in God that's in line with your new identity. Oh, and by the way, God himself will empower you to live out this new way of life. God himself, with his very empowering presence, with the Holy Spirit of God, he will fill you and empower you to live out your new identity. He will empower you to bear good fruit. And Paul says, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by producing oranges all over again, as if you'd never been saved. No. Rather, be filled with the Spirit in order that you might bear good fruit for God. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Every single day, I am going to face temptation and resistance. Every single day, you are going to face temptation and resistance. Light and dark are playing themselves out. They are at war, not just around us, but within us. Day by day. And there are days when generosity with God and others is is a struggle for me. And there are days when lust is constantly knocking at the door, prying at the edges of my mind, looking for open doors, looking for opportunity. But I tell you the days that I am most victorious are the days when I simply embrace the truth of what we're talking about today. The days when I, when I simply rest in it. Those are the days that I experience victory. I am a new creation. And the old me that would have loved embracing all of that junk is dead. He's gone. I, I am all, it's too late. I'm already a new creation. God has already remade me. I can't, I can't go back. And because I'm a new creation, that stuff doesn't make sense for me. It doesn't make sense for me to be stingy because that's not who I am. I am not stingy. I am not fearful. I am not lustful. That's not the real me. I am a new creation already done in God. And when I rest in that truth, I I find relief, I find freedom from, from the stuff that I'm up against day to day. I'll give you one more example, as we finish up, um, of how this plays out. Because I don't want us to miss how incredibly practical this is. Consider this. Our culture has been inundated with pornography. And it has gripped the vast majority of the American population. From middle school, if not elementary school onward. This is, this is now the majority experience. It is the great elephant in our cultural living room. And I personally think that it would be declared a national crisis, except that no one wants to call it out. The people at the top are just as deep, they're just as addicted as the people at the bottom. And the problem is rampant inside and outside of the church. If you are here this morning and you are addicted to pornography, the very first thing you need to hear is that you are not alone. This affects all of us. But what is the path forward out of that gripping addiction and back into a place of freedom, back into a place of holiness? Is it simply to try harder and do better? Grind your teeth and claw your way out. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I'm not convinced that it is. What does Paul say He says, the pagans have lost all sensitivity and given themselves over so as to to indulge in every kind of impurity. But that's not you. That's no longer who you are. He says, your old self is, quote, being corrupted by deceitful desires, but among you. There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity because, here's why, because these are improper for God's holy people. They're they're, they're improper. They're, They're out of place. They don't make sense because you already belong to God and you're holy and blameless in Christ. And the two don't make sense side by side. It doesn't fit. It's incongruent. Apple trees shouldn't produce oranges. And when they do, it's weird. Why why are you doing that? No, 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 you're an apple tree. I have a good friend. It's not me, I swear. And um, this, this isn't like code or anything. I have a good friend who's now in church leadership who was addicted to pornography. And as he tells his story, he says he was stuck, even as a Christian, even as a passionate Christian, he was stuck in endless cycles of trying and failing and then throwing his hands up and, and giving in and giving up and just indulging until he felt disgusting and guilty. And he would rally himself uh, and, and, and grind his teeth and he would try again, only to fail again and repeat the entire process over and over and over again. I think this is the experience for too many of us. But where he found freedom uh, was not from grinding his teeth and, and just trying better and berating himself every time that he failed. Freedom came by acknowledging the simple reality that that's not who he is. In Christ... He is righteous. In Christ, he is free. Sin has no true power over me. I am a new creation, and that other stuff, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And, and that's when freedom came. And he said, years of freedom and being in church leadership. Now, because I've raised the topic of pornography and statistically speaking, most Christians in America have a problem with porn, I think it's worth mentioning that there are a lot of resources available to help you, to help us move forward in that. And it could be recovery groups and it could be confessing that sin to someone that you trust. Or, or some of the people within your missional community, um, bringing it out into the light, Paul says, is actually the beginning of freedom. When, when, you, when you keep it in the darkness, it, it has this power over you. When you bring it into the light, you will be shocked at the way that power begins to evaporate. And he says it right here. He says you leave it in the darkness, it, it's going to grip you. you. You expose those things, you bring them into the light, Stuff's going to change that you don't think can change. And there's lots of avenues for that, whether whether it's a sexual addiction and recovery group. Most of my pastor friends have been through those and experienced freedom. Uh, Whether it's finding someone that you trust, who's walking with the Lord through your missional community, best friend, whatever it is, uh, coming to receive prayer from the prayer team, anything. Whatever avenue or avenues you pursue, there's one element that Paul speaks of in this passage of just exposing it, just bringing it into the light. Confess your sin to one another, and then God is faithful to heal and to cleanse. Accountability, especially on this topic, it is huge. It's one of the, the major stepping stones into freedom. But no matter which avenue or avenues you pursue in going about that and bringing it into the light, Paul says, this is part of it. Right in the midst of whatever you're doing, you're putting off the old self, you're asking God to renew your mind, and, and you're putting on the new self. Actively embracing what Christ has already done. And I've used porn as an example But we can run that through any one of these old patterns that Paul is calling out. You can pull any one of them out of this passage. How do I stop gossiping or speaking falsely of others? I I just can't figure out how to stop doing that. How do I stop cussing or speaking out what is unwholesome? How do I stop operating out of patterns of sinful anger? How do I stop these patterns of drunkenness? You can pull anything off of Paul's list and run it through the same lens. And we treat it the same way. We bring it before God in repentance, asking him to renew our minds, to line up more accurately with who God is and who we are. We acknowledge that we are new creations in Christ. And that gossiping doesn't make sense anymore. And drunkenness doesn't make sense anymore. And sexual immorality doesn't make sense anymore. And unwholesome talk doesn't make sense anymore. Because that's not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And I want to be crystal clear that this is not about earning God's love or his blessing or his favor. You already have those in Jesus. You already have them. They're already in hand. And as a result, the old stuff no longer makes sense. So as we close... Here's what I want us to do. I want you to read the passage again. And I know what you're thinking. Why would I read the passage again? Ruth already read it for us, and she has a way better accent than I do. You've been talking about it for 30 minutes. Do I really need to read this passage again? the reason I want us to do this is because I believe that God wants to speak to you through this passage right now this morning. And you can feel free to pull it up on your phone or grab grab, uh, one of the black Bibles from the back or whatever you want to do. But here's what I want us to do as we close. As you reread this passage, I want you to carry one question with you as you read through. And, And here's the question. God, where are you asking me to put off the old self and put on the new? And as you read the passage and God highlights the answer to that question, then, then we respond. You're no longer a hard-hearted pagan. You, you are a soft-hearted son or a daughter. And so as God speaks and, and God highlights and shows you, oh, okay, hey, this is, this is where you still need to put off the old. This is where you need to embrace the new. You're already a new creation. Become that new creation. As he's speaking to you, something in this passage is going to jump out. And, and so as that happens, we respond in soft-heartedness. We pray, we repent, we put on the new. And, and in a few minutes, we're going to worship, and we're going to celebrate who we already are in Christ. Christ. As a result of what he's done. Who he's already made us to be. Paul says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Not less condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there is so much that God longs to do in us and through us. You are chosen, you are cleansed, you are forgiven, you are set free, you are lavished with grace, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Now go, Paul says, and live a life worthy of the call that you have received. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the radical nature of the cross that every single man, woman, and child on the planet, though all bent in the wrong direction, though all full of sin, every single one of us is invited in your grace, in your love, in your mercy to come to you. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to atone for our sin, that there, there is no self-sacrifice, no, no self-mutilation, no proper apology that, that can erase our sin. But the cross erases our sin. that you actually declare what is most true about us, that you declare us to be holy and righteous and blameless. And, and a son or a daughter of God. So Jesus, as we read this passage, would you just help us to put on the right clothes? We, we, we can't transform ourselves from one to the next, but we can choose to put on clothes that actually make sense with who we are. So I pray, God, as we, uh, as we read through this passage one last time, as we head uh, in, into communion and, and worship and, and prayer and everything after that, uh, God, would you teach us, would you, would you take us by the hand in your love and your patience and your mercy, and would you direct us as, as a freed son or daughter uh, to the new clothes? Uh, I, I pray for those, God, who, who walked in knowingly or unknowingly wearing the clothes of a slave. And I pray, Lord, in the power of your Spirit, that you would bring freedom in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and read that passage, and uh, we'll continue in worship in just a few minutes.